Hey, it's Olivia, and you're listening to Mental Health Meetings. Today, I'm here with Ella Dyer. Ella, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So I am a senior at UNCW. I'm originally from Raleigh. Um, I'm graduating very soon, which I'm excited and scared for. I'm a communication studies major and a health studies minor. That's awesome. What do you plan to do with all of that? That is a great question that I don't have the answer to yet. So, um, as of right now, what I'm really trying to do is get my foot in the door with kind of food media and food marketing. That's kind of the route I want to go, but it's a very niche job opportunity. So that's taking a little bit more time than I expected. So just trying to kind of figure all that out. That's what I'm hoping for. My answer might change in 30 minutes. I like that. That's all good. So what is your story with mental health or mental illness? So for me personally, I have always struggled with anxiety. I've struggled both with anxiety and depression, but I would say anxiety is kind of on the front for me. I can remember as early as when I was six years old, I would struggle with anxiety and I didn't exactly know what that meant yet. And neither did my family. I, I remember I would try and get out of school every single opportunity I could. I remember one time I told my mom my pancreas hurt when I was six years old. So it's it's gone back early. So I dealt with it when I was younger. And then especially kind of when I got to middle school and high school, fun fact, Olivia and I also went to high school together. Woo. Um, it started to get very intense and I started to learn a lot more about what it actually was and what it meant and then obviously COVID hit so that was great that was really fun <laughs> and that's when it really kind of started to take a big a bigger toll on me as a person yeah definitely how do you manage your anxiety so for me it's been a very long process learning how to manage my personal anxiety. I can't speak for everybody who struggles with it, but I started like medical treatment really around when COVID hit because I could not make myself feel better. Like nothing I was doing was working. And I was really frustrated with the fact it was, it was crippling to be honest. And I went to my doctor and went through, you know, the whole evaluation. And she and I decided that it would be best that I start off treatment with Prozac. So I started with Prozac for a while. I, I think I was on Prozac probably about a year, maybe a little less than a year. And it helped with the effects, but I really did not like how it made me feel. So I decided to stop with the Prozac. And I slowly kind of wean myself off of it because you know with anxiety medication it can be really intense when you just quit it cold turkey and then I went back a few months later to a different doctor and we decided that it would be best that I restarted on um, Lexapro 
which Lexapro worked really well for me. I really liked it. It helped a lot with my anxiety in addition to the other things I was doing, trying to keep that to a minimum and treat myself at home. And now actually I'm very proud to say I'm not taking anything. So very happy with that. You know, things can change and it's important to know that for everybody. I'm sorry, my cat is just like going crazy. But it's important to know that it's not going to be the same for everybody. So I might come to a time in my life where I might need it again. And that's completely fine. But as of right now, I'm I'm feeling pretty good without it. Nice. So did your doctor, when you guys were talking about, how did you know that you didn't need it anymore? Did your doctor tell you that? Is that a realization that you came to on your own? So it was, it was a realization that I came to on my own because I, last year I was in a housing situation that definitely was not helping my anxiety. It's nothing personal at all to anybody who I lived with. It just living with three other people, especially when a lot of us had conflicting personalities, just wasn't working. And then I got out of that situation And I'm now living in an apartment with just my best friend who I've lived with for all four years of college. And I I actually remember sitting, like doing homework one day and I was in a really, really good mood. And I was thinking, because I had been taking the Lexapro for a while at that point. And I was also taking hormonal birth control for probably six years, seven years at that point. And I was thinking... I'm curious to see what my mind and my body would feel like if I wasn't on any kind of medication. So I decided then and there that I was in a good enough mental space that I wanted to try and see what it was like without it. So I stopped taking the birth control um, and went another route for that. And then I started weaning myself off of the Lexapro. And after a week or two, maybe two and a half weeks after not taking it, I realized that I felt really, really good. And I felt like I was in a space that I could manage my anxiety in different ways, just in a more kind of a raw sense, because I felt ready to do that. That's awesome. And I really like the point that you brought up about how you have to wean off of your medication, because I think a lot of people think that you can just stop taking it. But the truth is there are a bunch of withdrawal symptoms and it's just... It's a mess. Yeah, it's it's really intense. I've I've seen a lot of stories for different people. I'm sure some people can just completely stop taking it if they want to, but I wasn't taking like a massively high dosage of Lexapro, so it was a little bit easier for me. I'm not going to like, you know, speak for somebody else, but it's it's crazy. I have to wean off of those things. That is crazy. I know. I remember in high school I stopped taking my medication for like a week. And I, it was awful, but. Oh my, oh my God. I know it's, I, I mean, I have some friends who have been in the same situation and they will miss one day, like just with singular day. And then it's like a completely different person. And it, it must be awful, you know, like, cause sometimes you're in a situation where you can't take it. Like you forget it, it like out of town or something. I remember that happened to me at one point and it's, it's serious stuff here. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So besides for medication, did you ever try therapy? Did you ever, like, what different treatment stuff did you try? And what does anxiety treatment to you mean? Oh, yeah. So 
I did do therapy for a long time. I'm currently not in therapy at the moment, but I started therapy actually when I was 17 in high school because I had struggled really, really, really badly with an eating disorder. And at the time I didn't really know what that was. I didn't see it as an issue. And I decided, my parents and I decided collectively that I wanted to talk to somebody for that. And also I was, that was kind of the point where I started becoming aware of my own mental health and that it was deteriorating and starting to affect me day to day. So I was with this same person, the same therapist for a while. I actually, this, when I do have therapy sessions, it's the same person. We love her. She's amazing. She honestly, in more ways than one, saved my life and helped my family a lot. So I did do therapy. I also tried to engage in things that basically brought me pleasure. I tried to start utilizing that every day, even with the small things were like cooking. I would cook every day. I would do some form of art every day. I thought it was really important for me personally to incorporate both like real treat, I would say real, but like proper treatment and then at home treatment just to kind of mix those together so I can have both. Cause you know, therapy is expensive. Not everybody has the opportunity to get to therapy. So I think it's really important to be able to plan for future situations like that to have kind of a foundation that you can fall back on. So that's kind of how it was or it is for me. I say is also because, you know, anxiety, it's not going to go away. It's always going to be there your whole life. So it's important to continue to utilize those tools that you have every day if you can. So treatment to me really is, it's not linear for me or for anybody. So I think it's important to be able to remember that moving forward. For sure. Where are you currently on your mental health journey? I'm very proud to say that actually right now I am kind of in just a straight line. Like I'm I'm doing very well. Let me knock on wood. <laughs> I'm doing really well right now. I, like I said, I've been using these tools for months now, trying to better myself and better the lives of the people around me. And it's just been, it's been going really well. I'm getting ready to go through a lot of changes in my life. So I'm preparing myself for that and preparing myself with the tools to cope with that as well. So right now I would say really good, really good. Awesome. That's great to hear. If you were to describe your mental health journey and anxiety in one word, what word would you choose and explain why you chose this word? Wow. Honestly, if I had to pick one word, I would say fulfilling. As weird as that is, because anxiety for me and for millions of other people that experience it has taught me more than anything else in my life. It's taught me how strong I actually am as a person. I've been able to learn and witness that over the last few years, especially. And it's helped me to learn to think outside of myself, to think outside of the box 
And it's basically just been an incredible learning opportunity for me to realize how resilient I am and how other people are. So being able to learn all of that to me is fulfilling. So I like that. That's that would cool. be my work. <laughs> I like that. So you talked about using your tools in the future because like you said, anxiety doesn't just disappear at the snap of your fingers. Have you ever, I think that, and it for me personally, when I think about the future and anxiety, sometimes it's really easy to get caught up in like, okay, this is never going away. Like this is just whatever. How do you stay positive during those times? Yeah. So kind of back to the word fulfilling, it's, Obviously, I am not going to put on a front and say, I'm so like, you know, it's great. I'm really happy about this. You know, I try to look at my anxiety and my experiences with anxiety as a positive thing because I've learned so much from it. But it's also really, really difficult to be in the moment, like in a moment of anxiety and like in a panic attack, for example, and think, oh, I'm going to be happy this happened later. Like, nobody's going to think that. So what I try to do when I'm worrying about future anxiety is realize that this is just one moment in my life and try to just exist in that moment. I try not to get ahead of myself or not go, not backtrack myself. I kind of try to just accept what is happening at that exact time and not go forwards or backwards. That's something that's personally helped me. I know that's not always going to work for everybody, but that's something that I talked about with my therapist and with my family is kind of learning to accept those feelings as they emerge. Yeah, for sure. What is one thing that you wish people truly understood or knew about living with anxiety? Everything. (laughs) Um, I would say that really I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say two things that anxiety in itself and in treatment and coping and healing is not linear. It's not going to be the same for any one person at all. I think that's something that people really need to understand with learning about anxiety or maybe trying to help somebody, a friend or a family member with anxiety is that it's not you know, an uphill battle. It's You're going to go up, down, straight, backwards, side to side. It's going to be something that's, a, I hate this word, but a journey for you and, and for the person you're dealing with. And also, I would say that for somebody with anxiety, it's so hard to explain how it feels and why. You know, I've had people in my life like who, you know, just don't be anxious. Like, why are you so anxious? And I'm like, I I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. And that's one thing I really wish people would get with, you know, your personal life and with treatment is that there's really no solid way to explain what it is or how it feels. It can be really, really difficult to get that across to people and in turn, it can make it harder to treat yourself and for others to help you get to that space that you want to be in. So that's probably what I would say is that it's not linear and it can be really difficult to explain, especially to somebody who might not experience that. Definitely. I think that it's, I've definitely had people ask me what it feels like. And like you said, it's so hard to put it into words and kind of describe it. And also the whole thing where don't be anxious. Don't think about that. Be happy. All of that stuff. 
I'm like, I'm like can, can you not, can you please not? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So when someone says that to you, what do you say? I'm thinking of a very specific time when it did happen. <laughs> I'm not going to say what I actually said, but honestly, it's, it's hard to come up with words for that, you know, because People who say that are usually people who have not had to deal with anxiety or any kind of mental health issues at all. And it's just like, are, how are you that ignorant, you know, that you're only thinking inside your own headspace? And to me, honestly, it's a very selfish thing to ask or to say, because it's like, why is the sky blue? Like, why do giraffes have long necks? Like, we don't know. It's just like that. I can't explain it. And it's, I've gotten to a point at this time in my life where if someone says that to me, I don't really surround myself with people like that anymore. But when they do ask, I mean, like, you know, I can't help it. It's a chemical imbalance in my brain. I didn't ask to be this way, but I'm doing my best. So if you don't understand anything really about anxiety, maybe you should try to educate yourself because it's just not my job to anymore. I just can't do that anymore. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. What advice or words of encouragement do you have for others struggling right now? Oh, I love you. <laughs> but one, one thing I would say, at least that I wish somebody told me, is that the thought of a tiger is not actually a tiger. You know, it's a thought of something and is overused as it is in active moments of anxiety. You know, this too shall pass. It's not going to kill you, even though it really sometimes feels like it will. Like physically, it can feel like you are about to bite the dust. Um, I would honestly just make sure or try and let people know that it's going to be okay. And also ask for help, please. You know, that was one thing that I think was a mistake to my younger self is that I didn't fully understand what anxiety was. And I think now our generation is at a point where I think we're all fairly well-versed in the mental health world, but I wish that I had known that I didn't have to deal with it by myself. Even if somebody didn't understand it, I could have asked for help. And I think that could have helped me a lot, but, you know, like I said earlier, I try not to punish myself for things I did wrong with my anxiety. Cause I think everything that I did was supposed to happen. So that's, that's probably the one thing I could say a million, but that's the one thing I would really emphasize is that it's going to be okay. And it's okay to ask for help. You don't have to climb this mountain yourself, you know? For sure. I think that there's a huge stigma around asking for help. And I liked what you said about how you don't have to do this by yourself. You can tell other people. So if someone were to come up to you and say, I need to ask for help, but I don't know how to do it. What would you tell them? I would immediately tell them, you know, if it were someone close to me, obviously, or or not close, I would offer if you need the extra support when asking for help, like I can be there for you. Or maybe if not me, turn to a trusted friend or a family member to be there to support you, because I think that makes it a lot easier to have somebody else there with you, or at least in my experiences. And immediately, I would say, like, let's start looking for resources. Let's start looking for things that are accessible to you for your treatment, maybe, you know, doing that can look like doing a wellness check at the doctor or 
looking into therapy if that's something that you're able to do. And I, I would just say, like, you know, let's not wait. It's okay. Let's start figuring it out now. There's no point in just sitting around. So that's probably what I would say. And also, you know, like I've said earlier, I would try to let them know in that moment it's okay. You know, anxiety doesn't make you some alien. It just it just makes you human, you know? Everybody is going to deal with something at some point and just know that it's okay. And it it makes you special, honestly. For sure. I love how empathetic you are. Um, Ella, thank you you so much for being here today and for helping me end the stigma against mental health. Thank you for having me. I was really excited to do this and it was really fun. And honestly, it's kind of like therapy for me too. (laughs) I'm making sense of some things that just go through my head every day. So yeah, thank you for giving me this opportunity and this outlet. And I really appreciate it. Of course, I miss seeing you. I miss seeing you too. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in to Mental Health Meetings. Make sure to listen not next week, but the week after for a new episode. And follow us on Instagram at Mental Health Meetings Pod. Thanks for being here.